Spider-Man 2 reviews are here and they sound incredible. My expectations were that Insomniac would deliver a great sequel, but what we are hearing is that this game is far more than that. I had my own predictions about how hard it would be for Spider-Man 2 to get a Game of the Year nomination, but from where I sit, it has firmly secured the second or third place spot behind Baldur's Gate 3 and Tears of the Kingdom if we just consider the score and the critical acclaim it's already receiving. In a year where gaming continues to deliver great titles, very big titles, Spider-Man 2 is already standing tall. So I want to give you a review rundown, but I also want to talk about where I think this game is going to land in the game of the year discussion. Now, I put all of the good information right here at the beginning of the video, so you don't have to go looking for it. It's sort of an opening monologue, and then I discuss it with the live audience. If you like this kind of content, hit subscribe and the bell button so you don't miss the discussions. So my expectations for Spider-Man 2 was that we would get a bigger game with more abilities, story, and good experiences. But the review embargo has dropped and the score, the feedback, the tech breakdowns are far more than just a solid sequel. So I I am going to do a review rundown first, heavily leaning on Digital Foundry, bouncing things off of SkillUp and ACG. Then I'm going to give you a quick run through of scores and feedback. Not everybody's giving it glowing praise, but the feedback is overwhelmingly positive. Secondly, I want to have a discussion about Game of the Year. As this year continues to stack up, I was on record saying that games like Spider-Man 2 will struggle to get a nomination, and what we're hearing and seeing is completely changing my mind about where Spider-Man 2 lands. So first, let's just do the review roundup. Well, the Spider-Man 2 reviews all seem to agree on one thing. The game is really, really good. I'm going to lean heavily on Digital Foundry and look at what they said before buckshotting a lot of the scores and listing the summaries about Spider-Man 2. We are hearing from at least one outlet that gave it an 8 that the open world does fall apart and some of the feedback on open world activities is consistently not that great, but overwhelmingly this game is getting glowing reviews. So we're going to examine what everybody has to say. Even when a game is getting this much praise, I do try to find a spectrum of reviews to give to you. So first, Digital Foundry thinks that this is quite possibly the largest game Insomniac has ever shipped, and that level of production continues to impress. What we're looking at here is footage from SkillUp's review, and the reason I'm using his footage is because he avoids spoilers, and so am I. Now, John Linneman narrates the video from Digital Foundry and indicates that both fast travel and ray tracing have seen, quote, numerous enhancements. John highlights just how fast you can get back into the game from a fresh load of the main menu of the PS5. He indicates that it is so fast, it feels like the game is suspended and waiting in the background for you. More than that, the fast loading allows them to do things like a boss fight that throws you across a large space of the map. It's all seamless. There's no loading. And like Ratchet and Clank, going from a cinematic moment right into hitting a building or stopping and then right back into player control, the level of detail has been pushed out significantly in these sections. Midpoint, as well as distant detail, has had its overall world density increase and boosted with less flat buildings and visible pop-in. Lots of side-by-side comparisons are floating around showing just how much more activity is happening in the city. More cars, traffic, and people combined with more details on trees, buildings, and streets makes the game feel more alive. Just the shadows and the shading in areas that are heavily shrouded by trees has been improved as well. 
The cityscapes look more detailed and varied, avoiding the countless textured boxes feeling. While John acknowledges that the game is designed to look like the prior games artistically, he says it is clear they took the design and pushed out the detail levels across the board. Now, without spoiling anything, Digital Foundry does show something with traversal that is right from Ratchet and Clank. This thing is worthy of note here because Digital Foundry indicates there is an improvement here and it's even better than what we saw in Ratchet and Clank. He feels it is essential for a game packed with skyscrapers and reflective services the fact that they also had a huge step forward with not letting you turn off ray tracing. It's literally on in every mode. And as he said, there's so many skyscrapers and so many reflective surfaces. This is a must and it looks incredible. When it comes to water and reflections, they do some great side-by-side comparisons of Spider-Man 2 and actual New York City footage, like footage of actual places. And they've really leveraged ray tracing in a great way to make the water look spectacular, putting Puddlegate firmly to bed. John shows off building reflections and reflections of reflections, if that makes sense. And according to John, he says, quote, For my money, it's the best example of ray-traced reflections you'll find in an open-world console game as of 2023. Nothing else comes close. So, extremely high praise from John Linneman about the implementation of ray tracing in the game. He even talks about internal spaces within the buildings. It's impressive, according to him. He says, you have real 3D spaces within the buildings. A new strand system for their hair is also being used for very realistic hair on the characters. John was especially impressed by the level of detail in the suits, but even more, the symbiote animations when it crawls all over and onto Peter Parker. Even the clothing on the characters he thought looked better. He had minor nitpicks uh, about periodic, he called them visible texture seams, so being able to see like where the seam of a texture is. He also felt that particle clouds used for sand looked a little bit off. No major spoilers here. If you're watching the trailers, we know why there is sand in this game. Uh, He only encountered one bug where an enemy sort of T-posed and floated away. And so he said that was it. That was the only bug he encountered. I listened to ACG, Skill Up, and IGN's review. Nobody is pointing to bugs. They say this game is incredibly polished and runs incredibly well. John Linneman also said the audio design was sublime. In his final thoughts on the game, he thinks the fact that they got another game out already is mind-blowing, and while the game does not rewrite the visual identity of the game, there are noticeable leaps over the last generation of games. He says the whole package feels remarkably polished, and with a year where there have been some tough launches, Insomniac absolutely nails it with Spider-Man 2. So let's quickly look at what others are saying. And I want to start with IGN because they gave it an 8. Everybody's saying IGN is incredibly biased against Xbox and in favor of PlayStation. Well, they gave Spider-Man 2 an 8 in a, in a sea of very high scores and high praise, 9s and 9s and a halves. They're on the lower end of what we're seeing from scores. And this is what they had to say. They concluded that Marvel Spider-Man 2 delivers Insomniac's best tale yet, and despite its open world falling short, it is a reliably fun superhero power trip. So what's the issue? So they're taking issue with the open world, and these are minor criticisms, but these are some of the criticisms that we're hearing. Both SkillUp and ACG had similar minor criticisms as well about the open world activities feeling similar. 
In videos that were virtually nothing but glowing praise, both felt that the open world activities could have evolved more. IGN does acknowledge that they've moved in the right direction in this department. This isn't a world, this is what they had to say. This isn't a world that beckons exploration or discovery necessarily, but it is a step in the right direction toward creating greater immersion and mercifully less time spent looking at the map screen. And the reviewer, Simon Cardi, uh, he felt that they could have taken notes from Arkham Knight of all games. If you remember all of the things they did with Arkham Knight, said that being said, I can't help but have hope for a few more flashes of Gotham City to make their way into New York. Something like the spontaneous shock of Man Bat jumping out at you nowhere when you were making your way through Rocksteady superhero open world, feeling more reactive than what you get here. And more than that, The activities were something that get a similar criticism. Standard open world filler activities are a plenty, and that's one area Spider-Man 2 hasn't moved with the times or ambition at all. Collectibles, photo opportunities, and rather basic street crimes are still here, and despite having a few slightly more interesting quirks this time around, they only uh, they only very occasionally excite. I feel this isn't necessarily a criticism, if I'm honest. This is more of a complaint about open world games okay i'm not sure how you make a big huge open world with a hierarchy of activities without having the lower tier activities just be sort of repetitious right you have your very finely tuned and curated main story then you have your side quests and your side stories but then you have your open world activities right due to the quantity difference and the attention that they likely get from the developers i just think we should come to expect this the sheer size of the map makes filling it with activities a fairly significant task expecting those activities to have some draw or excitement at least the same level of draw and excitement as a side quest or a main story, it just seems sort of upside down. Again, this comes down to expectations. I expect an open world game to have lower tier activities that are meant to be like sprinkles on a cake rather than something substantive. It's also been five years since the first Spider-Man and only three years since Miles Morales. And it's a sequel. Arkham Asylum and Arkham City both had a lot of similarities, and I remembered liking that. Keep in mind, this is the only type of consistent criticism that I could find about Spider-Man 2, which sort of feels like, hey, it's an open-world game and a sequel, so yeah, nothing shocking or controversial here. I will say this, all the reviews are sort of split on the stealth Mary Jane missions returning. Uh, Some feel they are improved and better. Others feel the same way I did in the first game, just kind of like, why? Why, Why are we doing this? This doesn't seem necessary. Even some of the footage of her in these missions, I think it looks ridiculous. Uh, But thankfully, it doesn't sound like they make a ton of appearances. But the graphics... The, the, the new moves, the gadgets, the traversal, uh, the city, they're getting what feels like almost universal praise. Now, Skill Up did feel that the wingsuit took away some of the spidiness of the game because it's just so good, you sort of stop swinging through the city to the point that he made himself use the wingsuit less. And I get where he's coming from, right? But I remember near the end of my time with Spider-Man 1, feeling like I wanted to go a bit faster, feeling like the swinging was sort of losing its luster. It's a very big city, and this is a larger map. Skill Up also didn't feel like the suburban areas added that much. I mean, it adds to the quantitative size of the map, but he didn't feel like it changed much with respect to what 
you were doing. And maybe he's right, okay, with, with, with the swinging versus flying, right? Maybe restricting it to certain sections or areas for speed boosts or just going over water. Maybe it would have been better to have that more balanced. So let's now buckshot some of the scores and some of the conclusions that are out there. Game Informer gave it a 9.5. So this is one of the higher scores that I have seen out there, and this is what they had to say. Insomniac has nailed the rarest of video game development feats. The team has landed a trilogy of games that all stand strong on their own merits, but unite into a sweeping saga made better by experiencing its entirety. While more Spider-Man games will inevitably expand this mythology in new direction, there is no need to wait. With Spider-Man 2, the developer has found what makes superhero stories worth telling and retelling and giving its likable heroes the journey they deserve. GameSpot gave it an 8 out of 10 and they broke their summary into the good and the bad. In the good, they said the narrative through line of dealing with loneliness fleshes out Craven and Venom in a new and exciting way. Peter and Miles' evolving relationship culminates in a fulfilling finale for the two Spider-Man. Combat is as fun as the first two games rewarding timing and acrobatic combos. New navigational abilities add an exhilarating sense of speed without sacrificing control. Now the bad, they said, Some side missions are irritating busy work. New areas don't create new types of gameplay, only more grounds to cover. So they're actually echoing what SkillUp said, the idea that it's not, there's nothing new. It's new areas, but it doesn't change what you're fundamentally doing. I think that's fine. I didn't expect to like go to the suburbs and be like walking dogs or something. Like I just expected to go to the suburbs and do similar things that I'm doing in the city. It was just, hey, we have new areas. We're going for an actual location in the real world. And there's only so many places you can go before it would maybe start to get absurd. Now, I imagine in the the next game, Spider-Man 3, I would imagine they're going to try and do some Spider-Verse stuff and and have us going in you know lots of different areas and locations. That's how they'll outdo this game in particular. Gamer.com gave it a four and a half out of five stars. The pros are it builds on everything the first game offers. Phenomenal boss battles with great storytelling. The Miles stories steal the show. Cons. The negatives, they say Peter's side quests feel dull. Combat can feel repetitive, especially pre-upgrades. This was something that uh, that SkillUp and ACG both touched on, that there's elements of the combat that are just going to feel familiar. I don't think that that's abnormal. I think the same thing happens in an Assassin's Creed. The same thing happens in God of War. It's it's a sequel, after all. So you're going to have that familiarity and those building blocks that are beneath the combat. They can't have you suddenly acting and fighting in completely different ways. Like, Spider-Man can't pull out, like, guns and, and swords and bazookas. It's Spidey, okay? They need to honor you know, the fighting styles. VGC gave it a 5 out of 5, says Marvel Spider-Man 2 is an incredibly confident sequel and one of 2023's best games. Incredibly fun to play, fast-paced and full of heart. It makes the best of Spider-Man lore and the best of Insomniac's penchant for excellent gameplay sequences and combines them for arguably the best Marvel game ever. So from where I sit, Spider-Man 2 is clearly landing the sequel plane with excellence. With 122, I can't talk, with 122 critic scores on Metacritic, landing at a 91. That's impressive. I had previously said it would start likely in the low 90s and then struggle to hold that. Well, it's holding 
rather impressively. I don't see it dropping below 91 or 90, given the sheer quantity of reviews that have already hit from the review outlets. I feel superhero games, they really struggle with certain audiences and certain review outlets, but it's clear, at least for now, when it comes to Spider-Man 2, I was wrong. So, what, in the realm of being wrong, let's go to my other prediction, okay? I, I predicted, you know, can Spider-Man win Game of the Year? Can it get nominated for Game of the Year? The discussion around Game of the Year in 2023 has been an interesting one. First, it seemed clear that Tears of the Kingdom would be the untouchable frontrunner. And then the unthinkable happened. Baldur's Gate 3 had a launch and a reception that nobody saw coming. Not even their own CEO. He told their tech department to expect like 100,000 concurrent players. And their second weekend out, they came close to 900,000. I think their peak right now on Steam is 875,000 concurrent players. So, all year... I have been pretty much tempering expectations for Spider-Man 2 getting a Game of the Year nomination. It has a lot stacked against it. First and foremost, it's a sequel. I am on record as saying that a sequel has to do a lot to get a nomination, especially if the previous game has either won awards or been nominated already. You gotta kinda outdo that if you want to win again or get nominated again. The other thing stacked against Spider-Man 2 is that it is a superhero game. And I feel that superhero games struggle with certain audiences and certain outlets, right? It's like people sort of judge them differently or more harshly. People have comic book expectations or maybe they just don't like superhero media or they don't take it very seriously. Lastly, it's an open-world action-adventure game, and I feel that there's only so much you can do within that framework. You have superhero limitations, you have open-world game tropes and stereotypes that you have to avoid or either implement. There is some criticism and complaint about the open-world activities being repetitious, and it's like, well, that's kind of their nature. They're they're open-world activities. So my initial position was that Spider-Man 2 would struggle to get a nomination this year. Well, Insomniac seems to have taken that personally. (laughs) The new round of gameplay footage that we can see, the overwhelming consensus from the reviews, well, it's all sending a loud and clear message. This superhero open world game sequel has done more than enough to get up on the game of the year podium. And yes, many will say, well, you haven't played it yet. Right? You've, you've not played it yet. These are just reviews. Well, I, I know I haven't played it. I also only played the intro of Baldur's Gate 3 with my wife for like a fun Friday night stream. Like, we haven't had time for a game like that. We're just a little too busy for Baldur's Gate 3. But I can tell when a game is headed for Game of the Year, when it's at least going to get a nomination. Like, I can look at Baldur's Gate 3, its critical reception, and say, even before players touched it, I knew that game was headed for greatness. It was headed for the Game of the Year podium. The scores from the review outlets are always, I think, a very huge indicator when you have this many, but in light of that, you also have YouTubers. When you get this much agreement and praise, a Game of the Year nomination seems inevitable. When you have over 120 reviews on Metacritic and you're holding a 91, when you have YouTubers saying that this is one of the best games they've played this year, when you have Digital Foundry saying when it comes to ray tracing and graphics, this is probably the best game right now available on console in that category like nothing comes close according to digital foundry so this all begs the question 
I think it's going to get a Game of the Year nomination, but can it win? I haven't heard or seen any major spoilers, but from what folks are saying and not saying, I still think Baldur's Gate 3 has this year locked up. There are levels of praise hitting Baldur's Gate 3 that simply have not hit Spider-Man 2, and that's okay. They're very different games with very different aims. They're not trying to do the same things. I believe Spider-Man 2 will handily win in a number of categories. I think the most likely category it walks away with a victory is action-adventure because that bunch is where this game will probably stand the tallest. But voice acting, art direction, virtually every category this year is incredibly difficult. I have to say, though, Baldur's Gate 3, didn't. if it hadn't come out this year, okay, it would have been really interesting to see the Zelda Spidey showdown. Both are sequels. Both are using existing assets and maps. And it would have been pretty fun to ask the question, well, which game did it better? The innovation and the gameplay mechanics added to Zelda were incredible the graphical pushes, the storytelling and the cinematic power of Spider-Man 2 is blowing folks away this is why I said yesterday in a tweet that Spider-Man 2 may have just secured the number 2 spot this year, at least for me and that's saying something because if you ignore the 30 FPS elements in Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is truly a remarkable game, now I'm crossing my fingers for backwards compatibility you know to get a performance bump on the next Switch because Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom would probably be the first games on that system for me if that indeed happens. So I can readily admit I was wrong about Spider-Man 2 and I was wrong in the best way possible. This is far more than a sequel to Spider-Man 1. It is a very clear and strong Game of the Year contender for 2023. So let me give you my thoughts and my conclusion here, when a game gets this much universal praise from a very high number of outlets, everybody should be paying attention. Insomniac is sending a loud and clear message. Next Gen is here, and they're driving the car. With Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok being cross-gen, I kept saying Spider-Man 2 will be the real test. Dropping old gen allowed Burning Shores to make a statement in Horizon Forbidden West, but Spider-Man 2 looks more like a PlayStation 5 magnum opus with respect to graphical fidelity as well as impressive features. The second thing I want to say is, I'm on record saying that games we already have this gen on the PlayStation 5 are close to the ceiling of graphical fidelity that we will get this generation. That's obviously me ignoring what the PS5 Pro will bring, but on the PS5 itself, I feel like we are already basically very close to the ceiling. And what I mean is, the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation 4... Well, they saw games later in their gen look remarkably better. I would even say like different games. It was almost like what happened? How are you able to do this in the late stage of the PS3 and then the late stage of the PS4? I think the PS5 is already showing that the jumps will be there, but they won't be as significant or detectable. They won't be as big. It won't look like brand new games like, hey, this wasn't possible in the beginning of the generation. I think we're going to see things like the lighting, like the ray tracing in every single mode, like things like that are going to be there, but I don't think the chasm is as big from where I sit. And listen, I think that's a good thing. That means we really know what to expect from games this gen on the PlayStation 5, and the PlayStation 5 Pro will likely just improve and enhance the things that I'm talking about. Ray tracing in every mode, frames per second, the load times, all those things that are really, really excellent in Spider-Man 2 will likely be cranked up even more in titles when they're able to leverage a stronger PS5. My conclusion is this. 
If Spider-Man 2 is the ceiling of what the PS5 can do, that is a pretty high ceiling. Even with what we're hearing about the Switch 2, it seems like none of the console platforms will be at the level of a PS5. Ray tracing in every mode, solid performance, huge graphical upticks, instantaneous loading literally anywhere on the map. That was totally lost on me when we first saw the fast travel. You can just literally pick, pick a spot on the map. It just drops you on that street instantaneous. It's so instantaneous that the folks that are sort of bent on hating anything Sony, they were saying things like, well, it's not instant. You have to hold a button down, which is laughable. I mean, yes, of course, you have to hold the button down because if not, you might fast travel by accident. Like you click on a button and all of a sudden you're fast traveling. Games like this do that. You hold down X and a little meter fills to open a chest or fast travel or spend a skill point. This is a common UI element so that you don't do something by accident as you're just kind of poking around the map or the menus. Now, this was even confirmed by John Linneman and Insomniac. They they have you hold the button down to fast travel because they don't want you to fast travel by accident. You know your loading screens being sort of gone and you know your load times are so instantaneous when people have to run to how long you hold the button down to lobby a criticism and so this was something i think that is worthy of talking about it does seem that playstation 5 with spider-man 2 is cementing itself as the premium next-gen console we're not seeing anything like that from nintendo i don't think with the switch 2 and i don't think we're ever going to see anything like this as well from the xbox side of the fence i don't think they're focusing on these types of games and that's okay it comes down to consumer preference i for one am glad to have at least one next-gen console this gen that is cranking out games at this caliber. They just confirmed, in my mind, Insomniac saying, hey, we're one of the best devs in the business. And listen, I think they're also confirming something else. They're confirming that a sequel can be a whole lot more than just a sequel. And that's the show open, guys. Thank you so much for being here. 700 viewers, tons of people here already. Simon hit 13 months of memberships during the show open. Cloud Strife hit nine months of memberships during the show open. Says once again, Insomniac Sony does it again, pushing the industry forward as a true gaming company should. It amazes me how people still doubt Sony. And a $2 ship, a $2 tip from Piers Taylor. Piers Taylor, thank you so much for <clears throat> excuse me for being here let's get the one two three zero zero there we go let's get this out here and ready to go for you guys the daily goal we are working on fright night my wife and i'll play a scary game it'll probably end up being next week for halloween this week i'm gonna be solo on friday night i'm not sure what we're gonna end up playing but let's get the daily member goal up there and guys if you can't do a membership uh, on your own, make sure you're here as often as possible. Make sure you're smashing that like button. We should easily have 200 likes right now. And we appreciate you guys so, so much being here. Um, Phasmophobia has been delayed. Oh, I'm not going to play that game. Uh, hang on. Hey, there we go. Gifted members rolling in. Thank you so, so much. Joker Quinn. Han shot first, and so did you. You shot the first shot of the day, but then another one comes in. Two gifted members already. John always drops one on the chat. Thank you so, so much. You are at 12 out of 25. Nice. 12 out of 25. Were we already? (laughs) Wait, did people gift during the show open? 
How many people that gifted during the show open? It's not on my fan funding page. Sorry, Discord. Was it, was there 10 during the show open? Alex did 10. Alex did a 10 bomb during the show open? You guys have got to do that during the show so I can hype it up and shout you out. Thank you so, so much. 10 gifteds from Alex to start the day strong. We are working on Fright Night. It's a 2,500 goal. We only need 300 more to hit that goal. And then I believe Community Game Night, we made a little bit lower this month because I know you guys want to do it. It's 2,750. Very, very easy to hit. And five members coming in from Zybersword. You guys are going to be able to hit that really, really easy. Those five gifteds add up quick. I see it now. Thank you. That was not on my that was not on my screen barrier. Appreciate that. I remember when people were gamers and not being a gamer that somehow also wants to be like that have stock in a company. I've always thought games were about fun, not graphics. Who cares? I mean, I think you're creating like a weird separation because in my mind both the fun and the graphics are important one is not important and the other is like not important at all like you're acting as if well all that matters is the fun graphics don't matter oh okay but that's almost as if you're trying to push back against something that nobody is claiming nobody is claiming that only the graphics matter right i heavily focused on john lineman's commentary on the graphical upticks because I didn't want to get into story details. I didn't want to get into spoiler territory. So I avoided certain reviews because a lot of reviews are going to go into certain levels of detail and I didn't want to do that. So it's like, listen, we're not going to do that. We're going to, we're going to stay out of spoiler territory, but you know, uh, skill up ACG. Everybody's talking about how combat feels amazing. The story is amazing. The voice acting is incredible. The only consistent criticism I could find is that the open world activities are familiar and sort of samey repetitious and I'm like but that's an open world game I I don't know how else you're supposed to fill a map like this like there's just going to be stop the robbery there's going to be chase the car I mean there's going to be do the radio signal I I just I think in general open world games are going to do that I, I don't know if you can go to any open world game and not have a hierarchy if that makes sense Snuck one past the goalie. Thank you for the $5 super chat tip. Alex and Lido with 21 months in a VIP says, hit like, mother evers. Thank you so much, Lido. Who cares about graphics? Are you still playing on an Xbox 360? 20 bomb from online MVP. He's not coming here and flexed for a while, but he's flexing today and takes us all the way to 37. He drops a bomb on chat as well as being the agent of chaos and pushes us past the first goal. He hits 31 months in a VIP gold, a 20 bomb from online MVP. The big boys might come in the chat today. Don't let them scare you off. You guys can support the channel by liking and subscribing. That's totally free. You can help the channel in the video by lurking and listening or chatting. There's a variety of ways to support what we do here. If you want to do a membership, click join. You can also gift a membership to other people. You don't have to do a big 20 bomb. You can do a single. Those add up and they're greatly appreciated. Welcome in if you've never been here before. This is Reforge Gaming. This is a daily interactive live gaming talk show. It's also a safe for work broadcast. A lot 
lot of people treat me like a podcast or radio show. They throw me on in the background of their day, and since it's safe for work, you don't have to worry about what I'm going to say. Curious what you guys think of the overwhelming success of Spider-Man 2 and the review outlets already. Single gifted member from Joker Quinn. Thank you so much. Another gifted member from DK Beggar. It's a member train. You guys can hop on this member train. Five bucks gives a member to somebody else for the entire month. Don't let these big member bombs from online MVP and others scare you off. I guess all the people saying graphics don't matter still watch films in 480. It, it's always interesting to me. It's always interesting to me how certain things don't matter only when someone else pulls it off. It's like, oh, so now graphics don't matter. I okay. I mean, at the beginning of this generation, I thought graphics, I thought I thought I thought that that console over there was going to run circles around this console, but now it doesn't matter. What well, only doesn't matter when one side's pulling it off. Like that's that doesn't make any sense to me. Graphical breakdowns and graphical comparisons don't matter when the other side wins like that's what's so irritating to me it's like aren't we all supposed to be celebrating graphical enhancements graphical improvements like that's what we're all supposed to want and expect this generation alone SDO with nine months love the channel and debated and debates that you cover so far what's your top five game of the year contenders of 2023 another gifted member comes in for Patrick Q Patrick Q says listen I'm gonna set up the layup 40 out of 50 that's such an easy score oops that's such an easy score to put in setting it up nicely for a 10 bomb dunker thank you so much Patrick Q like Lineman and Battaglia, and Battaglia at Digital Foundry seem truly impressed with the use of ray tracing reflections and how they created the building interiors. That's what I mean. Like, why are we, why would you not celebrate that? Don't you want games to look better? Don't you want games to be awesome? Like, faster load times, better graphics, better performance? We only say these things don't matter when it's like, well, well my team's not doing that. Come on! Like, if, if any game pulls these things off I get excited wait why does that say angry Pete from the virtual wait it says the Virtuivian gifted a member to angry Pete but it's not showing up in the chat what how is that even possible who is angry where's angry Pete angry Pete's didn't show up in the chat that's bizarre YouTube is drunk Angry Pete, I don't see a single gifted member from Angry Pete, but I see one went to the Virtuvian. So I mean, we're just going to give it. We're I'm going to I'm going to pop it out and do it. 41 out of 50. Let's go. Are you gifted one? I know that's so weird. It went to somebody, but I didn't see the big green box pop out. Y'all are breaking chat, man. Keep doing it. Yo, what's good feed? Good to see you in the chat. Here's how it should be. If you like games, play it. If you don't like the game, don't play it. Don't dog on other people for games that you do or you don't like. I'm a VIP member already. I gifted a member. Not sure what happened. Hey, it hit the chat, so you got thanked, and uh, you're the best. And, you know, I think you guys should test to see if gifted members are broken. You know, keep going. (laughs) Keep gifting and see if it's broken or not. I just, this always happens. This always happens. The reviews hit. And everyone's like, oh, review scores don't matter. It seemed like they mattered a couple months ago. It did. It seemed like they mattered a couple months ago when another game came out and the review outlets were, you know, controlled and like a smaller group could review it and quick take your screenshots in the first 24 to 48 hours before the review scores drop. That, oh, the review scores mattered then. 
but now review scores don't matter. 122 review outlets on Metacritic, game comes in at a 91, and we're like, yeah, review scores don't matter. Really, why do we have all these screenshots of Tears of the Kingdom in Baldur's Gate 3? I don't understand. If review scores don't matter, then why are we talking about them all year long? Why are we having that be an indication of a game's critical acclaim? It only suddenly doesn't matter now. So when did it stop mattering? It seemed to matter earlier this year. There seemed to be a bunch of conversations about the critical acclaim and the Metacritic score of Tears of the Kingdom being outdone by Baldur's Gate 3. We did a lot of talking about that. It stopped mattering when? Just yesterday, conveniently? Was yesterday the date? Was October the 16th, 2023, the exact date and time that review scores stopped mattering? Okay, okay. Is that also the same time that graphics stopped mattering? I'm just trying to get the exact timeline here. It just seems convenient. It seems awfully convenient that Spider-Man 2 walks out and says, not only do we look amazing, we have ray tracing in every mode, but we're getting insane critical acclaim. Now, all of a sudden, these things don't matter. I'm just trying to track the timeline, that's all. I just want to know, you know, when when did these things stop mattering? <laughs> a gifted member from Mockwai Ninja, a gifted member from Rob V, a gifted member from DK Beggar. There it is. Little member train goes 2-2, taking us a 44 out of 50. And somebody jumps back in and gets a green badge, shiny red flag. It stops mattering when it's a game from Sony. That's what I'm saying. Do you know that TV show, The Voice, you know that TV show? I wish we could have that as gamers. Like, I wish you could literally have, like, a game come out, and you see it, and you see the gameplay, and you hear people talking about it, and you see the Metacritic scores, and you have to say whether or not you turn your chair around for that game. And then you turn around and be like, Mother... PlayStation game. <laughs> That's the show I want to see. I want to produce that show, right? It wouldn't be called The Voice. It would be called The Game. And you would just have to watch all the footage. You'd have to look at all the scores. You'd have to neuter all the critical acclaim, right? You wouldn't even be able to see gameplay. Let's just take gameplay out of it, right? You would just look at the descriptions of the game. You'd take out all the clues and all the hints about, is this, you know, uh, is it Spider-Man or is this, you know, who uh, is, is this Starfield or is this Diablo? You'd have no clues as to what the game is. You'd just have to read the critical acclaim. You're like, a 91? Oh my gosh, John Linneman thinks it's one of the best-looking open worlds and some of the best ray tracing this, game, this time around on console 2023? That's sounds like an amazing game and you like pull the mask off surprise mother in its playstation you're like ah frick and you're like i just said it was a good game now what am i gonna do (laughs) now what am i gonna do like why not just celebrate a good game (laughs) it's a good game (laughs) it's pushing forward graphics it's pushing forward performance you know Like, if everybody was like Insomniac, Jedi Survivor wouldn't have launched in the state that it was in, right? It would have been more polished. It would have been better, you know? You not yet realize he's a Sony pony. Sony can do no wrong even when they hike prices, but Xbox does it, they suck. You're changing the subject, and you're calling me a Sony pony. So take your gold badge and take a walk. 
Take your gold badge and take a walk. I don't abide children here. I don't care how long you've supported me. You don't get to come in and name call like a 10-year-old and get to continue to hang out. You drag the conversation down into just absolute foolishness. Like, I'm not interested in that anymore. What I'm pushing back on is the notion that graphics suddenly don't matter and reviews suddenly don't matter. Did I say anything about Xbox? Did I say anything about prices of Xbox? Did I say anything about what Xbox is doing? No. I said, I would like to know when exactly this started. When? When did we suddenly not care about graphics? Because when this generation started in 2020, that's all we talked about. We talked about graphics and performance, and we talked about you know, 4K this and 60 frames that and no more load times. When did graphics stop mattering? When did performance? When did innovation? When did all those things stop mattering? And I asked, well, when did review scores stop mattering? And what did I cite? I cited Zelda and Baldur's Gate 3. I didn't say anything about Xbox. I said, listen, we spent a large portion of this year looking at the critical acclaim of Tears of the Kingdom and looking at the critical acclaim of Baldur's Gate 3. And we talked about, look at this. Look how great these are doing. And now all of a sudden review scores don't matter? Since when? Since when did we say that? We've always looked at the critical acclaim and said, listen, when this many outlets are saying this, this is this is an indication of quality here. We said that about Tears of the Kingdom. We said that about Baldur's Gate 3. But now all of a sudden it doesn't matter? 122 outlets on Metacritic? A 91? And, and, and review scores don't matter. I don't understand. And none of this has anything to do with Xbox. I'm not even talking about Xbox. I'm talking about generally... Generally speaking, in the realm of gaming conversation, should we not be absolutely thrilled that a game developer is walking out and launching a truly AAA, next-gen, polished game? Why would we not celebrate that? I got really irritated at at, uh, at Jedi Survivor, okay? I got irritated as a fan of Star Wars and, a fa- and as a fan of Jedi Fallen Order, Okay? I was very irritated because of the quality of the game and the fact that it was respawn. It's like, what are y'all doing? You guys are better than this. You guys should not be launching games of this caliber. Okay. That has nothing to do with any platform allegiance. That has nothing to do with cheering for a side. That's just, I have standards as a gamer and I looked at that game and was incredibly disappointed and was incredibly critical. I've also been very critical of final fantasy 16's performance mode. Why? I have standards, right? I stopped playing Tears of the Kingdom. Why? I, it hurt my eyes. I was playing, helping my son with Cana Bridge of Spirits, and like going back to 30 was too difficult. So when I see a game like Spider-Man 2 land, it has nothing to do with platform allegiance. It's like, this is what we should be expecting from AAA developers, especially when they have their own proprietary tech, especially when they're building on a sequel. When you're building on a sequel, that was one of the other reasons I was so irritated with Jedi Survivor. It's like you're building on a, it, it's a sequel. You're building on existing assets. Like what is the, what is the, what is the issue here? Not to mention they left behind old gen. And I don't really feel like you got a lot of what we should have gotten by doing that. You're shrinking the development bandwidth field of like, well, we got to develop for just next gen. So this is a larger discussion. I don't really care about invoking invoking Xbox or Xbox titles. I did, their scores speak for themselves from their user base. All you got to do is go and look at what the users are saying. 
from where I sit, we've been consistently discussing how great this year has been. 2023 is going down as one of the best years in gaming. Huge turnaround, tons of games coming out, quality through the roof. Handful of missed ups here and there with 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 buggy launches or problems. By and large, a very very consistent year. And now all of a sudden we're like, well, graphics don't matter and reviews don't matter. And I would just like to know why. Now I have to thank a couple people that I didn't get a chance to thank here. Mavith the Reaper says the thing is with Microsoft acquiring Activision, the onus is on them now to make great games. They have no excuse. Spider Man Two already getting over a ninety. I mean, I will grant you that point because that's tied in from yesterday that I said that. I said that they have no excuse now. They have so much bandwidth and so many so many games and so many studios. But I don't really feel like doing that comparison today because that's all people want to do. There was somebody in my chat doing it this morning before I even went live. He comes in I, I, and his, his account's not very new and he just starts going crazy about how bad Starfield is and how about bad Xbox is. And it's like... I just feel like that's super suspicious that you have like a couple month old account and you come in before I'm live you don't interact with me and you just stir up the tribalism. Like I really genuinely feel like that's just somebody on an alt trying to make this community look a certain way. So I don't want to endorse that. We, we don't have to talk about the other side. All we got to do is talk about Spider-Man and what everybody's saying and what it's doing and why it's incredible they were able to achieve this. Like the fact that there's ray tracing in every mode. Like is, is what, talk about that as an achievement. Talk about the fact that Insomniac should should start loaning out, renting out <laughs> and licensing their 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 engine. They probably won't, but I would love it if more games showed up and were able to leverage this engine. Insomniac's proprietary engine and the Decima engine are I just there's they're, they're huge huge wins for gamers. We get great things out of these engines. Storanko with a $5 tip says, I feel like Insomniac is to the PS5 and Rare was to the Nintendo 64. Just banger after banger carrying the generation. And then Hex gifts a member. He sets up a nice little five bomb. A five bomb would bring us home to 50. Thank you so much, Hex. See if anybody wants to dunk it in after you set it up. Yeah, I don't even know if that guy's here. His name was like Bender of Strings. I should have just banned him. Because all, there he is. Yeah, Bender of Strings. You were in chat this morning. I'm actually impressed that you're actually talking in chat before before I uh, before I went live. That's been a new thing, right? People come into the chat before I go live, and you were just railing on the other side. And it's like that's not what today is about. Today is about Spider-Man Two. You don't need to invoke the other side. Just celebrate Spider-Man Two. Celebrate Insomniac. Celebrate the score. Celebrate the tech. What they're able to do with the technology. It's unbelievable. The, some of the clips, I can't even show you the clips. I should have said this in the show open. I should have said this in the show open. Do not watch Digital Foundry's video or, well, I mean, watch it with the audio. Just listen to it. Skill Up said the same thing. He was like, he encouraged people. He was like, listen, he's like, I am very intentionally not putting a lot of stuff in my review as far as B-roll. He said, if you're going to go and look at look at other reviews, he's like, just listen to them. He's like, you're going to see stuff that, that's, pretty, that's pretty significant, right? So I would say that's going to be the best way to, to handle it. Like, don't go and watch these reviews. I would say you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna see stuff you might not want to see, right? I try to be generic as well. I, I try to be super generic with a couple of things. Madara28, thanks so much for jumping back in as a member. 
ain't even trolling can't even say something because y'all think it's trolling well what are you trying to say what are you trying to talk about maybe because deep down xbox owners feel they will never get or match that exclusive quality I regret watching the first couple minutes of their video. I turned it off immediately. Very egregious in my opinion. Wish they'd have warned at the start. Yeah, I like John Lindemann's usually very careful about that kind of thing. I'm surprised he didn't say anything, right? Spider-Man 2 is incredible. My issue is with Metacritic. How on earth is Call of Duty releases yearly? Doesn't score in the high 90s. It's the best console game in its genre. The campaign is like a PlayStation exclusive. Um, I would say Modern Warfare 2 has a ton of things working against it. Behemoth slams it home with 5 and takes us to 50. I now owe you guys 10 members. Every 25, I give 5. Nice. 50 out of 50. It's a race. It's a race to the Agent of Chaos. Um, Digital Foundry did warn of spoilers. I watched the video. I didn't hear a significant warning about spoilers. I had it on sped up time, so maybe I missed it. There was a spoiler warning. How many videos have they done? I swear to you, the video I watched, I didn't hear a spoiler warning. Maybe because I had it on the sped up, the sped up, um, I had it on like 1.7, because I was trying to work as fast as I could to consume as much of the reviews as I could. I must have missed it. It's pretty, it's not significant within the realm of the story. Digital Foundry shows a mechanic being used that is from ratchet and clank that they have improved upon that's all i can say insomniac is a very good studio the problem is how long can they keep playstation afloat because you're not seeing much from their other studios i do not understand that narrative point everybody keeps saying and it's it's never playstation owners uh, everybody keeps saying insomniac is carrying playstation this generation really so we're not going to count the Demon Souls remake in Returnal. We're not going to count the Last of Us Part 1 remake. We're not going to count Horizon Forbidden West. We're not going to count Burning Shores. We're not going to count God of War Ragnarok. We're not going to count Gran Turismo 7. We're only going to focus on Ratchet and Clank, Miles Morales, and Spider-Man 2. So because they've hit a cadence that's so impressive, we're going to say they're carrying them on their back? I don't understand. So all the, the rest of those games didn't happen? Did the rest of those games not launch? I don't understand. If, if I would have bought a PlayStation 5 and only was able to buy Miles, Ratchet, and Spider-Man 2, I'd be like, well, yeah, that narrative makes sense. That narrative literally ignores other very successful, commercially successful, critically successful games that have launched this gen. Oh, but they're cross-gen. Okay. They added next-gen features to all of those games. And Burning Shores shows just how much they're able to do with Decim. I mean, goodness gracious, the next Horizon game is going to be insane. I don't understand. It's it's there, There's just this weird narrative formation all the time where you establish a false headcanon. And the false headcanon is those games don't count. And then you go forward with that headcanon and you say, well, since those games don't count, Insomniac is carrying this generation. And it's like, your entire premise is false. Therefore, your conclusion is false. And that's why I always look at people like that and I immediately am, I, I immediately sound condescending and unkind because it's like, you're just saying something that's stupid. Like, what, what are we supposed to say to that? Like, that would be like saying, um... Yeah, uh, there haven't been enough Star Wars and Marvel movies the last 10 years. I'm like, what? Yes, there ha- there's been almost too many, arguably. There's been too many. It would look stupid to say that. 
there just really hasn't been enough superhero movies. There hasn't been enough Star Wars. Like, what are you talking about? It's, there's too much, arguably. The quantity's too high of Star Wars and superhero movies. So when you say it, it's like, who, who's going to take that serious? Insomniacs carrying PlayStation on their back this generation. What? I've played, I've played more non-Insomniac games this gen on my PS5. Now, Spider-Man 2 is going to level that out. But, because it's going to turn it into 3. But I've played two Insomniac games this gen, and I've played a bunch of other non-Insomniac titles. Too many Star Wars, not enough Jar Jar. <laughs> Star Wars and Marvel need to stop. Right, Is there's too much. You know, you're going to end up with more Obi-Wan shows at the quality that that show was. You know? <laughs> Alright, I, I can't deal with people like you, the boy, because all you're doing is, again, I, you guys do this on purpose. I know what you're doing. You're claiming that the chat's too sensitive and attacking you. And when we ask why or how or what, you just keep saying the same thing over and over again. You've said five times now, everybody here is so sensitive and attacking you. We've asked for examples and we've asked you to engage. What you're doing is, is you're trying to make everybody attack you. So then you can claim that's all we do is attack you. I know what you're doing. It's, it's called, it's basically a form of manipulation. You're just manipulating the chat to attack you and nobody was everybody just started ignoring you insomniac is sony's best studio this gen facts i mean i we're 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 three years in and i would say their cadence is uncanny i'm that that is that is well worth saying insomniac's ability to deliver ratchet miles and spider-man 2 seems insane to me like that's I, we can't look at that and act like that's um is that normal I if, at this point my only conclusion that I can come to is that insomniac time travels I don't think that they're I, I don't think they're real I'm like that woman on the plane pointing at them I'm like insomniac's not real bro nobody else is doing this they are quite literally everybody wants to say they're carrying PlayStation 5 on their backs or whatever First and foremost, I think that's ridiculous. I don't think that's true. I've gotten plenty of games this generation on PS5. I've gotten more first-party games on my PS5 than than the other side. Like I own both boxes and I've 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 gotten way more over here. So to single out Insomniac and to be like, "Well, Insomniac's carrying this generation." It's like I I don't agree with that. They've only done two titles. This is the third, which is in the third year. That's that's a cadence of one a year, which is bonkers, but I don't necessarily think we can look at them and act like this is normal. And Eugene saying, to be fair, it's all sequels. I mean, that's the thing I don't understand in these discussions. Is that in one breath, people will say, it's just DLC. It's just DLC. It's boring. It's just another sequel. That's all you get over there are sequels. But then they'll try to turn around and indict the platform and say, oh, Insomniac's carrying the platform. Well, which is it? Is it just DLC? Is it just a boring, canned piece of material that doesn't, it's not important? Or is Insomniac carrying PlayStation on their back? Like, pick a narrative. It's almost like the day of the week determines the narrative. Well, it's Monday. (laughs) 
It's time to go say PlayStation doesn't have any games. Whoop, <laughs> whoops, Daisy. It's Tuesday. The reviews are crazy. It's time to say that review scores and graphics don't matter. Whoop, <laughs> it's a Wednesday. It's time to say that they only have one good developer. I mean, I know just a couple days ago I said that the games coming from Insomniac were basically just DLC and they were tired sequels and they used the same map. I know I said that, but I'm going to repudiate my own previous statement by saying that now they're basically carrying PlayStation on their back. It's like you're just like walking contradictions. Like there's no consistency of thought there. Is it, Which is it? What, what's the issue with the platform? Is it that there's no games? Is it that the games are all DLC? Is it that the game is it that there's only one developer carrying the platform? Like which is it? I can't figure out what the actual issue is with PlayStation. I've never seen like when Baldur's Gate 3 came out <clears throat> and had really really crazy critical acclaim and was doing incredibly well and was commercially successful. Did anybody get critical of Larian or get critical of PC? Like, was anybody like, oh, yeah, now's the time to indict? Well, I guess everybody did kind of do that to developers at large. They were like, Larian proves that everybody else sucks. (laughs) If every time something good happens, you turn it into that, I don't necessarily know if you like gaming anymore. Like... You know, like when Cyberpunk came out, I was like, oh my gosh, Cyberpunk's been redeemed. And everyone's like, we shouldn't support them. They lied. And it's like, oh gosh, how dare they fix their game? <laughs> when No Man's Sky fixed its game, it's like, I will never support Hello Games. They lied. And it's like, oh, 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 okay. Okay. Spider-Man 2 reviews drop. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, Insomniac is carrying PlayStation. What? Wait, why not just be excited? Like, sh- shouldn't we be like, hey, this is really, this is an ideal to aspire after the, the cadence of delivery, the quality, the polish, pushing the next gen envelope. These are all things we'd like to see from games this gen, isn't it? Where's Prototype 3 and Evil Within? I don't know. Yo, Chris Goyan with 12 months of memberships. I'd like to thank God for Lono in the chat for the generosity. It's now my first year anniversary of being a Reforged member. Live long and prosper. Thank you so much. Did I miss some fan funding? I think I did. No, I did not. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I always get a little nervous. I always get a little nervous. There we go. The key to production like that is finding something that's awesome and works and then build some sequels. Except for Returnal and Remakes, Insomniac has been the only one with next-gen games. They are carrying PlayStation Next Gen. Oh, oh, now it's that they're carrying PlayStation Next Gen. Let me ask you something. What did Miles Morales do that was Next Gen? Can you list those things for me? And as you're listing those things for me, I want you to understand something. You're listing things that they did in Ragnarok and Forbidden West. So you just contradict yourself. As soon as you start listing the things they did in Miles Morales. Well, yeah, my Miles Morales is next gen. Oh, okay. What do they do? Because, I mean, they used they used the map and the assets and the world of Spider-Man uh, to make a sequel. And it's next gen. I'll grant you that. It's next gen. You are correct. Please list for me the things they did that made it next gen. Oh, okay, cool. You could say the same thing about Horizon Forbidden West. Miles is not next gen. 
What? What happened? What do you mean? <laughs> How is it not next gen? They improved the graphics. They added they added early implementations of ray tracing. What do you mean? <laughs> it was early gen, next gen features. And then they go to Horizon Forbidden West. And they're like, when you play Horizon Forbidden West on the PS5, we're going to have cinematic lighting throughout the entirety of the game. We're going to have increased performance. We're going to have load times. We're going to have higher resolutions and higher frame rates. Those are next-gen features that were added to Horizon Forbidden West. It being cross-gen, it's it's not next-gen? That doesn't make any sense to me. Let me ask you something. What makes Burning Shores next-gen only? What is it? What did they do? They took an existing game an engine, and assets, and they went in and they turned a bunch of stuff up. Almost like cross-gen is not a repudiation of next-gen. That's such a bizarre stance. What do you think makes a game next-gen? What is it? Is it a rubber stamp somewhere? Is it, is it, you know, is it, does the Pope do something? Do they does does a priest somewhere bless the game as language we can't understand? Next gen. What makes a game next gen? What is it? Because from where I sit, we were promised 4K. We were promised higher frames per second. We were promised instantaneous load time. And the, the just just the crazy thing here is is that Forbidden West and Ragnarok do those things. It's just insane to me that what do you think happens when a game goes next gen only? What do you think they did to Spider-Man 2? What did they do? They went into an existing game, engine, world, and assets, and hold on to your hats here. They turned all those things up. They improved ray tracing. They improved textures. They improved resolution. They improved frames per second. They improved load times. Just, they didn't actually rebuild the game from the ground up. You know that, right? Like, you know they didn't just, like, from scratch, we gotta make a whole new game now. Because it won't be next-gen if we build on the existing assets. Every next-gen game you're playing is built on the original game that's coming before it. Let me ask you something. Is, I mean, would, would that, is Starfield next-gen? Because it's an existing engine, they updated the engine, and I mean, I, I don't know what they added that you would consider to be next gen. There's no there, there's no instantaneous loading, uh, there's no ray tracing, uh, maybe kind of 4K on the Series X. I don't know. Like, so the next gen features in Forbidden West and the next gen features in Ragnarok make those next gen games them being cross gen doesn't suddenly act like oh yeah you don't you, you they're not next gen games though forbidden west isn't 60 fps on ps4 i don't know who said that i didn't say that that's not true it's not uncharted on ps3 to ps4 are new build games any game that's building on its existing engine is going to use existing assets and tool sets and elements to build the game. 
I know you want your channel to be unbiased and for games over tribalism. How would you rate a game? Can we compare Spider-Man 2 and Starfield? No. I'm not trying to compare Spider-Man 2 to Starfield. I'm trying to get to the point that if you're going to claim that... First it was Insomniac is carrying PlayStation 5. Then it was Insomniac is carrying PlayStation 5 with next-gen games. And I'm like, so we're going to ignore Returnal... We're going to ignore Demon Souls remake, Last of Us 1 remake. Okay, those are just remakes. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll take those off the table then. I don't want you to get too upset about games you've never played on a system you don't own. I don't want you to get too upset. Okay, so let's take those off the table before somebody starts crying. Okay, so we got Returnal, we've got Horizon Forbidden West, and we've got God of War Ragnarok. We're going to ignore all those titles. Why? Why? Forbidden West has next-gen features in it on the PS5. God of War Ragnarok has next-gen features on it on the PS5. What? This is what's bizarre to me. This is what's bizarre to me. The camp that claims that is the camp that got a game that is a total repudiation of what next-gen promises were. What were we promised? Go back and look at the... Go back and look at the, the, the marketing. Go back and look at the marketing. What were we promised? What was the promise of next gen? Should we go back and look at the Project Scarlet trailers? Let's go look at the PS5 commercials. Let's go look at the the PS5 marketing. What were we promised? We were promised 4K, ray tracing, instantaneous loading. That's pretty much the three major bullet points that we were continually promised. That's what we were continually promised is we were promised, you know, level levels of performance in games. That's what we promised. Those are the three bullet points. And what's really, really interesting is to look at a platform that's consistently checking those boxes. Returnal checks that box. Ratchet and Clank checks that box. Horizon Forbidden West checks those boxes. God of War Ragnarok checks those boxes. It's really weird to look at a platform checking those boxes and claim, yeah, Insomniac's carrying you on next gen. Yeah? Is it? I gotta ask the question. What do you got? What do you got? I'm staying silent on purpose because there's no answer to that question. How many of those boxes are you checking? You checking 4K? You checking ray tracing? You checking instantaneous loading? Are you? I I, I don't think you are. Forza Horizon. Okay. There you go. Poor Forza Horizon. Talk about a game carrying a next-gen system on its back. That's the only game doing it. Those are all the features we were promised. Act like you have a dry erase board. And you're doing a presentation on next gen. And you're trying to define next gen to an audience. And they have no idea what you're talking about. So you say, hey, next gen was a, you know, gaming colloquialism. A term that was used when entering into the next generation of gaming with the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X. And Next Gen promised an entire new generation of experiences. They promised 4K, which, and you would define 4K, you'd say 4K refers to the resolution of the images 
that you're seeing. They promised ray tracing. Ray tracing is a lighting method that makes the worlds feel more realistic and alive with automatic shadows and shading and things like that. And instantaneous load times. Load times refers to how quickly a game can go from one sequence to another or one room to another or just loading up the game in general. Imagine like when the internet's really slow, it's taking a long time to load. Older games struggle with this and this next generation promised that that would be a thing of the past. And then you want to give them examples of games that are doing this. Here are games that are showing off 4K resolution, ray tracing, instantaneous load time, and you could show them Returnal. You could show them Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. You could show them Horizon Forbidden West. You could show them God of War Ragnarok. You could show them in three days Spider-Man 2. You could. Now, somebody raised their hand and said, Yeah, but Insomniac is carrying PlayStation on their back with respect. Asterisk footnote with only next-gen only games. You'd be like, what are you even talking about? There is a nice, fat, long list of games doing all of the things that we were promised this generation. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Gran Turismo 7. Let's add one more to the pile. Now, in this presentation, do you really? Do you want me to go to the other side? I don't think you do. Do you you want me to go to the other side? Do you want me to go and list the games that do those things? It's a pretty short list. It won't take very long. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Uh, You guys are going to get to lunch early today. That's the point I'm making. I don't even want to talk about that side, but what I'm saying is, is that side commonly makes this claim, and it's like, you, you, you're literally losing this fight handedly, and you're acting as if this side is somehow not doing the right things with Gran Turismo 7, Horizon Forbidden West, God of War, Ragnarok, Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart, Returnal, and then we can throw in the, the remakes, because they're doing it too. The Last of Us Part 1 remake and the Demon Souls remake. Let's just throw those on the pile. So that's what I don't understand is the, the hypocrisy and the denial. It's sta- it's staggering. It's like, shouldn't you be saying all of this facing the other direction? Hey, where's our 4K? Where's our ray tracing? Where's our instantaneous loading? Where's our next gen games? Where are they? You're too wor- you're too worried about Insomniac allegedly carrying PlayStation. Jiminy Christmas. Ask for better on the other side. That's what I want. I want all games to be delivering what we were promised this generation. We were promised those three bullet points. And those are things that I think are good. Now, I don't care so much for 4K, but the ray tracing and the 60 FPS. If I can get a version with those things in it, to whatever degree the ray tracing can show up, I, 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 it's like a spectrum, right? It's like 4K ray tracing in the middle and 60 FPS. You kind of lean towards 60 FPS or you lean towards 4K. Whichever direction you lean, I lean towards the, the FPS. If I'm getting that, then I am happy. I'm like, actually, I think underneath all of this is the load times. I think every game 
that that was one thing that I was very disappointed with in Jedi Survivor. The load times were like, what? What? Do you, you guys made a next gen only title and you're not leveraging the speed of these consoles? Like, why are the load times so long? And I know they're not exorbitant, but they're long compared to like I don't know any other game like it right now, like Tsushima or Forbidden West. Like, what? what why are there such long load times in? Jedi Survivor. It's a next-gen only game. They left behind the old gen. Why aren't you leveraging the new technology? (laughs) It's exactly why I criticize Final Fantasy XVI's performance mode. You can leverage new technology to give me dynamic resolution. The the, the FSR, you should have used a better version of FSR, you know, a higher number at least than FSR 1. And you could have leveraged, as I said, dynamic resolution. Jedi Survivor is a PS4 game too. Well, apparently they're porting it to to the to the previous uh, consoles. Personally, I think 60 FPS at 1440 looks better than 30. I'm the same way, Josh. I said at the beginning of this gen, I said, "Listen to me." I said, "Y'all don't want to hear this, but 4K 60." That's a fool's errand. Just give me 144060 and I'm happy. 4K60 on these consoles is a fool's errand. Don't even try it. What what? No. If they give it to you, it's going to be dynamic. It's going to dip a lot. Just give me 144060. 144060 is the sweet spot. Give me enough ray tracing to make it look pretty or turn it off if it's going to cause problems because I just want that consistency in the performance. That's all I care about. It needs to look pretty, load quick and Rock solid 60. Those are like the things I care about. And I don't feel you can make an intellectually respectable case that somehow PlayStation 5 has failed to deliver that this generation and that this weird false narrative that Insomniac's the only one doing it. Insomniac's carrying PlayStation 5 on their back. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. And it's it I've only ever seen this stated by people who don't own the system or play the games. Like what are you talking about? What what did what did you hope for? This is this goes back to it it all it all forms from false canon. It all forms from false framing. And that's what gets so exhausting about some of these discussions is you constantly have to get a machete out and chop down the false framing weeds because they always grow back. They always grow back. You can, you can painstakingly comb through the interview where we believe in generations was stated and the journalist falsely summarized what was said, ignored the very next paragraph that established that there would be a time period of cross-generational support because at the time they had over 100 million PlayStation 4s in circulation and turning their back on that consumer base would be dumb. It was also clear that every time there's a new generation of console, there is a period of cross-gen support. So that false framing, that false headcanon takes root. We believe in generations, right? What that meant was, well, the minute the PlayStation 5 is being sold, we're no longer going to support over 100 million consumers which is business, a a lack of just so much basic business acumen, you can't even respect anybody who actually thought that. Like, you're being willfully foolish and ignorant. There's no way a company would ever do that. Storanko with a $5 super chat tip. As a PS5 owner, Sony has a bunch of great games, but Insomniac is Sony's most consistent studio. Not caring, but their output's been unmatched so far. Right, and I think 
instead of there's two ways to look at that Starango you can look at it and say Insomniac's doing something that basically no developer ever is doing who's doing that who's hitting that level of quality and cadence who nobody they're like an exception to the rule we also have to make mention of the fact that they're doing this with sequels the agent of chaos is roadkill he bumps the line to 51 thank you so much for that every 25 i get five i owe you guys 10 members right now keep it going here's the thing though stranko there's two ways of looking at that you can either praise insomniac and say holy moly this seems almost abnormal this seems almost crazy that they were able to pull this off as opposed to like turning around and indicting i'm not saying that you're doing this Stranko, but that's what people do they turn around and indict everybody else oh insomniac are you kidding me they're like they're like the when you go to the track meet and there's the kid from you know He's probably Kenyan, right? He's going to run faster than everybody else. You're like, well, what's the problem, Charlie? Why aren't you as fast as him? It's like, what do you mean? He's he's an exception to the average. He's faster than the average person on the team. He's crazy strong. He's crazy fast. He comes from a part of the world where people are incredibly fast. What do you want me to do? I'm not going to be as fast as him. You can't look at the exception to the rule. And this guy was explaining this to me recently. His, his sons are on track teams. And he said that a lot of track teams have that one-star runner that carries the team, and the rest of them can play somewhere in the middle. Well, what you don't do is you don't take that one all-star runner and go to your other runners and say, why aren't you running as efficiently and as fast as him? He's the exception to the average. He's the outlier. He's the anomaly. So... You, you, you look at Insomniac, it's like, you can't look at the other developers and be like, why aren't you guys doing what Insomniac's doing? It's like, in the realm of development, and the realm of cadence and quality, I'm telling you, Insomniac, they're wizards. They're not from this planet. They're anomalous. They're, nobody else is doing what they're doing. Michael, or no, Michael. Michael, with a five-bomb gifted member. Thank you so much. 56 members on the day. That's a 20-bomb layup right there. A 20-bomb will take us all the way to 76. Why don't we have the coffee on display? Oh, I forgot to do it. I forgot to bring the coffee. Yeah, don't forget, if you're a coffee drinker, we have our own coffee. That is not a sponsor. I'm usually... I'm always wearing glasses uh, from Gamer Advantage or like a t-shirt from Into the AM. Um, or EC77, so always support our sponsors, but the coffee's not a sponsor. If you are a coffee drinker and you have never tried coffee with balanced acidity, you should try our coffee. It is very smooth. There's no bitterness. Coffee drinkers love it. So I, I think that's the dilemma here is I, I feel like the same thing happened with Baldur's Gate 3. Everybody goes and says, why doesn't everybody do what Baldur, why, why doesn't everybody do what Larian does? It's like, well, Larian did three years of early access, and as that one guy pointed out, they have years of institutional knowledge. They have a recognizable mainstay brand in D&D. Like, not every company can do that. Now, I actually think Baldur's Gate 3 is a wonderful test case for how you can leverage early access. If you have a really big, well-known brand, 
I, th- I especially think if you're trying to do a live service game, I think early access is incredibly important and vital. I actually have argued that Elder Scrolls 6 should do uh, uh, early access, but that's a, that's a whole other discussion. The, the, the point is, people did the same thing with Baldur's Gate 3. Instead of just celebrating how great Baldur's Gate 3 was, it gets turned into this sort of, well, everybody should be at this level. Everybody should be this good. And it's like, I don't ever want to look at other developers and be like, you should be hitting the cadence and quality of Insomniac. It's like, no, 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 no. Take your time. You you take your time. You, you do whatever you got to do to make sure the games are good. You know what's funny about this discussion? Is it does feel like the side that is going to need to champion cadence over quality is the one taking issue and saying, well, yeah, look at Insomniac. What are the rest of the studios doing? I don't know, taking their time and creating a good product instead of worrying about cadence because in a buy-to-play ecosystem, that's better. Do you think charging $70 for first-party AAA games would work if they were rushing them out? Or do you think in an environment where they're letting games cook as long as they need to cook, you're going to get games at that quality? You're going to get games at the Spider-Man 2 level of quality where no one's going to bat an eye spending $70. They're going to look at the trailers. They're going to look at the gameplay. They're going to look at the reviews, and they're going to say, excellence, that's well worth the purchase. In a buy-to-play market, in a buy-to-play environment, you can't come to the developers with this demand of cadence. You can't. It's like, what do you mean? We have to sell the game. We have to sell the game. We can't throw it on a subservice and say, yeah, well, if people don't like it. You know, it's, it didn't pay for it. No, they have to sell the game, which means it has to be at a high level of quality. I am fully in support of not doing this. Well, let's just get the games out. Let's rush the games. Let's, let's rush cadence. No. If I have to wait uh, a year longer than I would like to for Ghost of Tsushima 2... If it drops and it is excellent, then I don't care. I don't care. Do do you want it to be good? Or do you want to just have it? Thank you so much, Algarian, for gifting a member. And it goes to i2 Games. If you guys got a gifted member today, make sure and thank all the generous people who gifted a member. If you can take care of your own membership, you can pay it forward and gift a member to somebody else. Or you can upgrade to Member Plus for a dollar. We won't see another CRPG with the same production value as Baldur's Gate 3 in the next 10 years, and that's okay. Solemn says, Don't you think that will change with their live service push games? Both quality and cadence changes? Probably lower quality and more cadence? No. No, I think that's. I think you're setting up a, a you know two things that don't have to automatically... They're not mutually exclusive. They're increasing their funding for traditional gaming. So you're still going to get great tr- traditional first-party titles from their studios like Sucker Punch, from studios like Insomniac, uh, um, Sony Santa Monica, Gorilla Bend. You're going to keep getting great traditional studios. Uh, I'm sorry, games. Everybody keeps ignoring the fact that they're increasing their funding 
to be significantly higher than it was a couple of years ago for their traditional games. So you're going to get more of those. It's it's why they're more than likely some of that's investment into growth. Look at how many. Yeah, I'm wearing Gamer Advantage glasses. I'm partnered with them. Look at how many times there have been layoffs in the last couple of months, and every single time it happens, one of the Sony studios is like, oh, we're hiring. Do you want to know why that is? Because of that webcast we saw earlier this year, where Sony's like, we're investing in traditional, and we're increasing our investment significantly into live service. It's both and. It's not either or, and everybody keeps missing that. It's like, well, they're going to focus on live service. It's going to be the end of PlayStation. They're just going to start cranking out, you know, Fortnite-style games, and it's going to be dumb. There's going to be a battle pass everywhere, and they're going to be trying to sell skins to me, and I'm not going to get good games. It's like, they're literally increasing the funding of traditional games while also increasing their funding into live service. They're doing both. When you have live service multiplayer games, can you really keep their current performance and visual fidelity? I don't think so. But, okay, live service games have to check different boxes, Solemn. Shiny red flag upgrades to member plus. Thank you so much for doing that. Like, live service games have to check different boxes. When I come to a live service game, um, let's take uh, The First Descendant as an example. I know that there's going to have to be certain graphical sacrifices in order for me to play a game that's multiplayer, there's people running around, there's instancing, there's AI, there's bosses, there's just loot dropping on the ground. Like I know that there's going to be certain sacrifices made. Any, if, if, Listen, if people are going to come to a live service game and expect like, let's say there's like a third person over the shoulder shooter uh, like First Descendant, but let's say PlayStation's building it. Okay, uh, and they're you know they're making this live service game, and, and people come to it, and they expect the graphical fidelity of Spider-Man Two. Well, that's just that's foolish. Like, why would you expect that? Everybody knows that that's not possible in a live service environment where you're dealing with internet, you're dealing with connection, you're dealing with server side you know protocols and AI and all these other things. It's not a honed in single player curated environment where you can make sure everything's exactly right misunderstand i'm not saying that it will make less good single player games quality wise i'm talking specifically about their live service games which will likely be on par quality wise with all live service games right and i think that's fine it's a matter of expectations i talked about this in the show open one of the most consistent criticisms that spider-man 2 is getting is the open world activities that's one of the most consistent things we're seeing is that the open world activities are repetitious and familiar and my pushback to that is every open world game is going to have a hierarchy of activities you cannot expect the random crime on the street corner or the go take a picture of this thing you cannot expect checkbox activities to be at the same level of creativity, quality, depth and, and amazingness of like the main quests there's always a hierarchy of activities your main quests your story quests with the cinematics and the boss fights those are going to be the best the most is going to be poured into them then you're going to have your side quests and your side stories you're going to get a little bit less of the detail and the love and the passion why those are supporting actors those are supporting elements then you're going to get to the open world. You're going to get to the, oh yeah, go collect these little spiders. In the last game, it was book bags. Go take pictures. Go stop crime. 
the minute you get down to the bottom rung of the hierarchy of activities, your expectation should be, this is going to be pretty samey, pretty similar after a while. It's why I've always said, open world activities should feel like sprinkles on a cake. They're not the meal. They're not the substance. They're sprinkles on top. So as you're playing through the game, you're just sort of doing those things. You're interweaving them into your experience. If you wait until the very end of the game and you're like, well, now I got to go stop all the crime, and you're just going to go crime stop, crime stop, crime stop, crime stop, crime stop. Familiarity breeds contempt. By the seventh crime stop, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't do another one of these. Why? Well, it's a lower hierarchy of activity. It's not going to have the same depth, quality, and substance of the main quests. So that's not to me like, a oh yeah, I can't believe they're doing this. It's all about expectations analogous to live service games, you can't have the expectation that a live service game is going to have the graphical fidelity of Spider-Man 2. If you think that, you are setting yourself up for disappointment. It's a foolish thing to think and expect. And I think people are willfully ignorant. So there's no doubt in my mind that the first couple of live service games from Sony are going to be criticized in those regards. The graphics are pretty bad. Foam Stars looks mid. Okay, that's a live service game. It's not intended to be a graphical tour de force. It's why I didn't get too critical of Halo. It's like, well, Halo is not meant to be this insane graphical display. It's meant to be an ongoing game with multiplayer. And in order for you to do that, you have to build worlds, graphics, textures, lighting systems that can work in large maps, small maps, medium maps, people running around, explosions happening. That's totally fine to me. I would have never held Halo up to the light and said, hmm, on, on close inspection, the lighting and the textures don't look very good. It's like, well, it's a multiplayer game. It's a live service game it's not intended to be that now the, the, the main campaign maybe maybe but halo was a cross-gen title so you don't expect that to be the focus halo had you know a litany of other problems the point being that you have to approach the game with the right expectations we're talking about what they're currently about which is high quality games my question is will they still be able to manage that with live service which is a very tall order oh no i don't doubt it at all I don't doubt it at all. This is what I feel like live service is. Like if I can draw an analogy and a picture in, in, in people's minds. I feel like live service is trying to win gold, silver, and bronze at the Olympics. It's huge. It's a big deal if you can pull it off, but it's friggin' hard. All the right things have to line up. All the right things have to happen. A lot of front-end work has to take place. And then, only a couple people make it. I get why people want to. Standing up on that podium with that gold, and they're playing your national anthem, and you're crying and saying, I love you, Mom, to the camera. That's a big deal. But only a couple people get there. And I think live service is the same deal. We have had titles that have done what seems impossible. Some goofy little Fortnite game where you're like protecting towers against zombies became a phenomenon with Battle Royale. And I think everybody's looking at it and saying, whoa, look at that. Look at what gamers are doing. Fortnite, I think, you know, in 20 or 30 years, there will be classes that include that game as a study case. The impact that it had, its growth, how they maintained, how they pivoted internally, how they prioritized, like, you know, they shut down Paragon, they needed servers because, you know, they didn't have enough servers. Leveraging virality as a marketing study, how, you know, how they did that just with the dances alone. My gosh, the soft pushes that they did 
that somebody in there had just foresight just the dances alone just a little soft push of like I wonder if we let people dance and do like goofy viral dances that all the kids are doing what if we let them do that and then you know they, they win a game and they do it and then you got ninja oh my, he's, he's the perfect personality he's the guy to like get out of his chair and go like that and the age demographic just gobbles it up it'll be studied and I think everybody looks at that and thinks if we can win that gold medal that gold medal is worth billions of dollars so everybody's going after it It doesn't mean it's a mistake if it's hard and if there's failure along the way. I think I think that's where people miss the boat on live service. People assume live service is the devil, it's killing games, it's awful, it's terrible. Look how many failed live service games there are. I think that the companies are well aware of that. I don't think it's lost on PlayStation. They're like they're like live service games that's funny Lido I don't think it's lost on PlayStation that like live service games are very very hard and a lot of them will fail I I don't I think they know I think they know I've even I'm on record saying we're only going to get about three or four you know how they promise us like 12 live service games by 2026 I think we get three or four of them by 2026 I think a lot of them either get cancelled or put on ice that's what I think Jim Ryan's goal of having 12 live service games by 2026, it's not happening. No way. They already lost one with factions. I think Bungie's going to walk in the room. You know that Grim Reaper meme where the Grim Reaper's going from door to door to door and like the blood's coming out of the room? I Bungie's going to go down the line, all of those 12, and a bunch of them aren't going to make the cut. It's going to be like the terrifying that I mean, it's literally going to be like the Grim Reaper showing up to the office. It's going to be terrifying when Bungie shows up. It's going to be like, here we go. Everything we've been working on. Everything we've been working on. You made a case for Miles, but Horizon and Ragnarok still can't be called next gen. They have next gen features that makes them next gen. As I said before, define next-gen. What is it? What makes a game next-gen? What boxes does a game have to check? Those games check those boxes. Everybody creates... Everybody creates special rules and stipulations. Everybody does this special pleading with, No, Horizon Forbidden West doesn't count, and God of War Ragnarok doesn't count. Well, it has all the things we were promised for for next gen well but 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 it's cross gen oh okay what does that have to do with it let me ask you something if a game lands on pc and the developers optimize the game so that you can turn on 4k and ray tracing and they leverage ssd technology to give you instantaneous load times okay they leverage all of that is that game next gen is it because those same developers can optimize that game to run at, you know, 108060 on a really weak rig. Does the ability for that game's engine, its assets, and its settings, does the game's ability to run on a weaker system make it not next-gen? Because if it does, then you can never really have a next-gen PC game unless the next-gen PC game only works on the top-end cards and you can't shut any of that stuff off. 
it's kind of like the RPG discussion, where the further you argue and the further you go down the line, you start saying things that sound really stupid. You start saying things like, well, Final Fantasy 1's not an RPG, according to your definition. You start saying things like, well, yeah, that's not a next-gen game. Oh, okay, so a PC game that can do 4K, ray tracing, path tracing, beautiful game, zero load times. But because the developers took the time to optimize the game and the engine and it can run on a weaker card at, you know, 1080, 60, 14, 40, 30, whatever, it's no longer next-gen because it can run on old hardware. That's the claim. The claim is not... The claim is not, well, Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok don't have next-gen features. They do have next-gen features. They simply can run on older hardware. The same as Cyberpunk on PC can blow the doors off of a PC with settings and lighting, and it's one of the prettiest games in the market right now. But Cyberpunk can also run on a weaker system and turn all those systems off, turn all those features off. Does that mean Cyberpunk is not a next-gen game on PC? Like, logically, the position breaks down so quickly. So, so quickly. Spider-Man Remastered has all those features. Does that mean it make it next-gen? I would say it means the version of that game is next-gen. Spider-Man Remastered having all those features, if you play that version, you're playing a next-gen game. Right? What is next-gen? It's taking something that we used to do and turning things up. You have existing engines, existing assets. What do you think Ghost of Tsushima 2 is going to look like? Are are we going to be in outer space? No more tall grass, no more leaves blowing, no more samurai, no more horses. It's going to look artistically a lot like Ghost of Tsushima 1. Do you want to guess why? They're using the same engine or updating the existing engine. And they're turning the features up. This weird gatekeepy thing of like, well, it's not next gen because it can run on an old piece of hardware. Then there's no such thing as next gen on PC. Because tons of next gen games can run on older PC hardware. Especially with DLSS. There were tests with the Decim engine with Death Stranding and DLSS. And they were getting like 80 FPS and 4K on like a 2060 card. So running on old systems and turning certain features off to get it to run on old systems or or leveraging DLSS, that's not next-gen because it can run on older stuff? It doesn't make any sense. You think... The presumption is that there's this clean break. Like, do you think Spider-Man 2 is this clean break, this whole new, from the ground up... What do you think? You think the engine's next-gen or something? Or do you think they took the same engine, the same assets, the same map, the same character models and said, turn it all up, increase the textures, increase the lighting, increase the load time, increase the resolution. You start checking all the next gen boxes and you say, well, Spider-Man 2 is next gen. It was made on that older stuff. Yeah, exactly. What do you, what do you think Cyberpunk's built on? What do, you, what do you think Spider-Man 2 is built on? It's just a weird discussion. It's like, we, and again, and again, again, it's always from the side that, that can't even check a lot of those boxes almost at all this gen. That's what's so bizarre. 
It's so bizarre. It would be like me being in a sales environment, okay? And let's say in this sales environment, I'm supposed to sell sunglasses, watches, and shoes. And I come to work, and I haven't sold a single pair of sunglasses, I haven't sold a single watch, but I've sold a pair of shoes two years ago. And I'm giving you grief about how many watches and sunglasses and shoes you're selling. <laughs> you're not in your... Look at your numbers, bro. Yeah, look at you. You know what I mean? You're in the red this month. You, it's been a couple months since you sold a pair of sunglasses. It's been a couple months. When's the last time? It was like last year, right? Right? You sold the God of War Ragnarok sunglasses. Yeah, I've sold any sunglasses this year. <laughs> and then you look at my sales and I have nothing. I have nothing. What it, I have no right to say anything to you at that point. Where's all the sunglasses? Where where are the shoes? What are you selling? And you look at the board and you're like, you haven't sold anything. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, you, 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 it's been a year since you, what'd you sell last year, bro? What'd you sell the year before that? It's absurd. The discussion is absurd. It's absurd. When I look at my PlayStation and I look at the marketing, I'm like, I've gotten a lot of what I want. I've gotten 4K if I want it. I've gotten 60 FPS. I've gotten instantaneous load time. I've gotten prettier games, bigger games, improved games. Woo! This is all the stuff I was hoping for this generation. Yeah, but Insomniac's carrying... They're carrying PlayStation. Not from where I sit. Horizon Forbidden West was a fantastic next-gen experience for me. I had cinematic lighting the entire time. The photo mode blew my freaking mind. The size of the world, the graphical intensity, fidelity, the performance options I could pick. Same with Ratchet. Returnal was phenomenal. It was innovative. It was creative. It was beautiful. Ragnarok, same deal. Amazing experience. It's kind of like... It's kind of like whenever you're playing soccer and there's clearly one kid on the team who's scoring more goals and somebody's like, yeah, well, they're only winning because they got that guy. And it's like, so? <laughs> so what? So what if Insomniacs kicked more of the goals this, this, this generation? Who cares? They're still on the team, aren't they? <laughs> okay. Ragnarok's a goal. Forbidden West is a goal. And Insomniac's like Miles Morales, Ratchet and Clank, Spider-Man 2. And they're like, man, that guy just got a hat trick. Wow. Yeah, well, he's still on the team, ain't he? Look at the scoreboard. Like, come on. (laughs) He's really carrying the team. (laughs) Oh, it kills me. It literally kills me. Like, uh, where are these weird... There's always special standards and special circumstances. You know? It, it's just it's just insane to me. So what has Spider-Man 2 done to improve the city? I did see increased car density. Was there more? Uh, as far as ray tracing on the buildings, Abe, 
they talked about it in the Digital Foundry video. So there's reflections, there's reflections of reflections, there's 3D space inside the building. So like as you're crawling along, they've actually built like rooms. So instead of looking like almost like a flat image to represent like a space or an office or a, or a bedroom or something, um, they actually created the digital space in there. They've also done quite a bit with the water. That's significant when you're like flying over the water uh, as as far as like, hey, you know, they wanted the water look more realistic. There's great side-by-sides in the Digital Foundry video. He does a side-by-side with like real footage of water in, in New York City. Um, the, one, the one criticism that we are seeing about the city and apparently the, uh, ACG talked about this in his review uh, yeah, building quality, draw distance, all that stuff's been improved. The people that are, like, on the street, like, if you're just, like, walking around the street, like, talking to people, the graphical detail of those, uh, of those people is, is not that great, right? That's essentially what they're saying. They're essentially saying, listen, if, you know, if you're walking down there, if you're walking down there on the street, then you know, you're you're not going to be able to like walk up to somebody and feel like they're you know that they're like high graphical you know fidelity like they're, they're not going to look that impressive um yeah the waters reflections in the water like puddles uh if you look at a park with like trees the shading and the shadows like beyond the tree are you know better um yeah, they did a lot to the city, but again, the one criticism was if you walk up to people walking around, sometimes they just don't look that impressive. Sometimes they look a little like low quality. And I'm like, that's fine. I didn't get a Spider-Man game to walk around on the streets and like, is that person look realistic? Is that person realistic? Like, that's obviously not what they're going for. Now, apparently they're addressing some of this in patches. ACG didn't see all of it acknowledged. Some of his issues, he said he felt were going to be addressed in the first, in the first patch. But I don't, I don't plan to, I don't plan on like walking around the streets as Spider-Man, right? You're swinging, you're flying, you're going to the next objective. It's kind of like, Thank you for a $5 super chat tip uh, victory. That said it all. They've said it all. Reviews don't matter. Graphics don't matter. Console sales don't matter. VR doesn't matter. Quality doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Um, It's kind of like in a sports game, right? If you go up to the stands and you like look at the crowd, the crowd isn't going to have the same level of graphical fidelity as the players, right? Because that's, that's not important. And in a game like Spider-Man, it's like going down and like looking at the faces of a character. That's not nearly as important. It just isn't. Because that what who's doing that? That's not part of the content flow, right? Now, I know people are going to say, "Well, but people did that with Starfield." And I would say, "Well, within that genre, it makes sense because that's part of the immersion. You're going up to people and literally having conversations and dialogue with them." So, analyzing here would be a better example analyzing the character detail in Horizon Forbidden West like if you're going to compare Horizon Forbidden West like compare and contrast Horizon Forbidden West against Spider-Man 2 the NPCs are going to look better in Horizon Forbidden West well why? well because in Horizon Forbidden West you literally go up to people a dialogue tree pops up and there's backstory and there's lore right? There's also, you know, you go to a town and there's maybe 20 or 30 people in a town in Horizon Forbidden West. This is New York City. So 
the sheer quantity of NPCs in New York City is going to lower the quality and the detail on those NPCs. I said the exact same thing about Starfield. I said, I'm not going to be that upset about the automation and the facial expressions because the sheer quantity of dialogue lines dictates that they have to do a bunch of automation and that's going that, that that's going to do that, right? It's going to lower the quality of facial animations and facial expressions. I was consistent in Starfield too. I was like, we, I, yeah, the NPCs look pretty bad at times, but I didn't get really frustrated by the use of automation. Quantitatively, the, the amount of dialogue and, and permutations and things that you can have in Starfield is insane. So it's okay if the automation lowers the quality of the faces. And then when I go and play Horizon Forbidden West, there's way fewer players. There's, I'm sorry, way fewer NPCs. There's way fewer dialogue lines. So I expect the quality of the NPCs to go up. And same deal when I go to Spider-Man 2. It's New York City. There's people everywhere. I don't expect the individual person on a street corner to have the same level of detail as a character in Horizon Forbidden West. It all comes down to expectations and context. Nobody plays a game with this many people walking around a city and expects those individual characters to look incredible. It's the same way in Cyberpunk. The individual, like if you look at Idris Idris Elba's character and you're interacting with him and you're talking with him and then you go up to some Randy on the street, they're not going to look like him. They're not going to have the same detail. They're not going to have the same, you know, movement capture. They're not going to look as good. They look pretty good in Cyberpunk. But the sheer quantity, there's people everywhere. They're on street corners, they're milling about, they're sleeping, they're shouting, they're doing all these different things. I expect cyberpunk, you know, NPCs to have like, oh, this one's not going to look as good as as a main character because the main character has been, you know, mo-capped in a studio and they've, you know, they've attached something to his face so it looks like him and, you know, his eyebrows and stuff are going to move like him when he talks. So I don't think, I don't necessarily think that that's, a problem, but we are hearing that that's a criticism, and then the other criticisms have centered around the open world activities are kind of samey. They're kind of like familiar. That doesn't shock me or worry me. That's that's par for the course for an open world game. That's par for the course for an open world action adventure sequel that's coming out three years after the last game that they did, which was Miles. I that's fine. As far as the story is very good and the side story is good, the cinematics are good, the combat's good, the graphics have been improved, if the game flow is excellent and feels good, I don't care if the open world filler activities feel familiar. That's that's what they're going to be like. Even if they were all completely brand new, they'd become familiar by the time you got to the second or third region in the city. Does that make sense? You're, you're, you're going to run into that no matter what. No matter what you do in an open world game, when you have those when you have those lower tier you know, encounters, those lower tier activities, that's going to be the way they feel. They're just going to start to become very familiar. You're not going to be able to maintain like, oh yeah, I just rescued some cat or stopped some robbery and it was incredible. It felt like a mainline story quest and there was a cinematic and everybody cried at the end. Like, that's just not going to happen. Shouldn't those be better in the third iteration? Well, nobody said they weren't better, Jason. They said they felt familiar. Skill Up said some of the new ones are really fun. 
he said some of them feel familiar and they feel like okay instead of book bags I'm finding spiders and they're still like oh go here and take these pictures I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that like when we went from Arkham Asylum to Arkham City there were similarities between the two there were things that you did in Arkham City that came right from Arkham Asylum I I think that's totally fine there were things you did in Arkham Knight that were lifted right from the first two it's like oh yeah I remember doing this in the first two games I think that's totally fine it's an open world game like you're not going to fill the game with revolutionary fetchum activities you're just not going to there's a hierarchy of activities and like and if you don't if you don't care about collecting backpacks then then don't do it if you don't want to go take pictures of stuff I, the reason i think taking the pictures and collecting stuff fits that's stuff that peter parker would do he would totally do that he would totally go around and be like yeah city's kind of quiet today I'm going to get some great pictures. City's kind of quiet today. I'm going to look into those weird broadcast signals. Like, I think that's totally fine. I I think people... I just think people go really, really far. And honestly, I know a game is really good if that's where they have to go to criticize. They're not talking about game-breaking bugs. They're not talking about disappointing voice acting. They're not talking about clunky or bad combat. They're not talking about the story being lame or boring or uninteresting. What are they talking about? The open-world activities feel familiar. (sighs) Stop the presses! Like, that, to me, the fact that that's where people are going just to have a criticism I'm like well then everything's really good like if I went to a 5 star steak restaurant and I came back and told you that well they brought out rolls at the beginning and they were a little dry everything else was amazing you'd be like well if that's your only complaint then it must have been great if that's the complaint then I think we're in a pretty good place at a time where games are coming out like you know Jedi Survivor with its quality problems and performance problems at a time when games are coming out like you know Redfall at a time where games are coming out and are um disappointingly non-innovative you know whatever game you think fits that bill I don't want to sit here and keep comparing to the other games that's not the point the point is this year, we've certainly had our fair share of games that when they come out, even um, even Lords of the Fallen has been criticized for some of its clunkiness and some of its, its lack of polish. I think that says a lot that Spider-Man 2 is so good that the most criticism I'm seeing is, eh, the open world activities, eh, they're a little samey, you know. MJ Stealth Missions, Peak Game Design, Insomniac is Dead, Cash Grab Factory, Sad. Are you... I feel like you're like ChatGPT decided to like hate on a game. MJ Stealth Missions, Peak Game Design, Insomniac. Insomniac is Dead, Cash Grab Factory, Sad. Sometimes I like reading stuff like that for the same reason I like writing what somebody writes on like the side of the stall in the bathroom. Just what's a psychotic person, you know, p- 
put into print? You know, what's a crazy person think about, you know, this bathroom? What's a what's an what's an absolutely pathological nut nut job think about Spider-Man 2? Like I do. I sometimes really enjoy reading stuff like that. <laughs> I wonder what a psychotic NPC thinks about Spider-Man 2. <laughs> Insomniac dead. Cash grab factory. <laughs> The MJ missions, I actually will admit, I saw some footage. I think they look ridiculous. I don't know why they did it again. She's 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 like, you know, <coughs> what's she doing? She's like shooting people and punching them and throwing them down and stuff. I was like what? <laughs> like, imagine the Wonder Woman game comes out and they're like, hey, sometimes you have to play as Steve. And, uh, you know, Steve is Steve's Diana's secretary. And Steve's like crouched behind a, behind a file cabinet talking to himself. I never should have came back here after work. I didn't have any idea this could happen. He's like crawling around the office building trying not to get killed, you know, by some god from another world, you know. I really hope they put some Steve missions in, in, in Wonder Woman. You gotta even things out. I can't play a whole game as a strong woman. Like, let me play as a dude, right? <laughs> he's got like glasses and a terrible haircut and a tie, you know, and he's like crawling around on the ground. Diana needs me to sneak into the office and get this one folder. Why can't she just do it herself? She's she's a god, right? Like, what, what is MJ doing that Spidey can't do? You know what I mean? Well, she's going to sneak around. He's Spider-Man! Well, she's got a stun gun. So, watch out now. <laughs> Give Steve some pepper spray. I swear to God, I'll use this. <laughs> like, these superhuman beings are, like, coming after him. That's his only tool. Golly frick. <laughs> it just feels so out of place. Like, why are we doing this? Why? I feel the MJ missions added much needed variety. In fact, I think it could be cool if more support characters were playable. Well, that's like saying, I really wanted some variety in this racing game. Could I go to a grocery store and push around a shopping cart? Like, that? it's such a sharp juxtaposition. It doesn't feel like it serves the variety. It feels like somebody hits the, the e-brake in the car. You're like, Spider-Man! I'm flying! Gotta play as MJ. She's like crawling behind a box. Like, what happened? <laughs> what are we doing here? Just let me play as Aunt May. Do you have any knitting that needs done? Like, you know, do we do we, do we have any grocery shopping that needs to be done? Just let me play a couple missions as Aunt May while we're at it, you know? What is 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 Peter friends with the local paper boy? Do I maybe I should deliver some papers too, you know? Really help get the word out about Spider-Man. You know, I'm like wheeling my way through a neighborhood like throwing papers. It doesn't make any sense. 
I love Spider-Man 1. I did not feel like it added to the variety. It felt it so unnecessary. I was like, let me play as, let me play as Spider-Man. <laughs> in Spider-Man 3, he visits Aunt May in the nursing home, right? You have to find your way back to your room. <laughs> That's mean. I can hear Skill Up reviewing it now. <laughs> I thought the missions where you had to play as Aunt May were a little were a little overdone. The puzzle solving and having to ask for clues to figure out where my room was. <laughs> it just felt a little ageist. Oh my gosh, they're gonna go too far, bro. <laughs> they're gonna go too far. Uh <laughs> That's what it feels like. It's like, what's happening? Why am I suddenly not Spider-Man? You joke, but I'd play that. (laughs) Uh, Because Insomniac lacks creativity and ambition. (laughs) Yeah, with a 91 on Metacritic, that's the conclusion I'm going to come to. Because there's a couple of Mary Jane missions. (laughs) Demony Christmas. So much misogyny in this stream. No one's being misogynistic. You're projecting. That's probably an internal misogynistic narrative that you have in your brain because I'm teasing about Mary Jane missions. I love games where I play as women. And that's why I said, if I'm playing as Wonder Woman, let me play as Wonder Woman. I don't need to play as Steve the secretary who needs to crawl around an office building. Let me play as Wonder Woman. Do you know what I'm saying? That's why I made the example. It's like, well, we gotta keep it. You gotta keep it even. You were joking. You missed a wink face, smiley face. You missed an emoji at the end of your sentence. You gotta indicate humor. You can't just type something like this in this day and age. You can't be like, so much misogyny in this stream. Like, you might literally be that person. I don't know if I can hang out here. There's just. <laughs> That shaky voice, you know, like, come on, I can't tell. Oh, Uncle Ben simulator. It'd be like the shortest game ever. I really like Spider-Man, but I thought the Uncle Ben DLC, it was a little short. (laughs) It was a little on the short side. It was a little on the short side. You know, Uncle Ben says he's got to go to the corner store. And I walked a block and then I got shot. That wasn't very long. <laughs> like, <laughs> they should be, <laughs> make that a flashback. Just make that a flashback. <laughs> Golly. (laughs) Uncle Ben from House to Store Simulator. The reviews are in. The Uncle Ben DLC is coming in at a record low 2 out of 10. Game Informer said, I don't get it. IGN says, this is some kind of a sick joke. TheGamer.com says, why would you make this? 
my gosh. <laughs> uh, Aunt May lockpicking minigame at the gates of heaven. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, gosh. Poof, that was funny. All right, hang on a second. Oh, where's the thumb? Where's the thumb? There it is. All right, I'm scheduling the premiere. In about 14 minutes, I did do a video about Pete Hines retiring, and I did find something brand new. Brand new that I had not seen before that I think you guys are going to find very interesting. It's Pete Hines' commentary right after the acquisition. So we're going to go there in about 13 minutes. We are going to go there in about 13 minutes. Now, I owe you 10 members. If this hits 75, I'll owe you 15. I always gift those members in the premiere, so you guys still have time to move the goal even farther. We are at about 2,300 members. We're trying to hit 2,500 for Fright Night. My wife and I will play a scary game. Uh, we will play a scary game on the 27th to celebrate Halloween and a scary time of the year. And then 2750s game night, like if you guys want to play a game together. Let me go ahead and set that up as a premiere uh, because I actually think there's a lot of interesting things to uh, to say here a lot of interesting things to say here okay set up the premiere uh, ambient and we'll redirect to that and that's put that up for tomorrow back it up what's the lowest score it got on Metacritic Oh, there were some 70s, were there not? Weren't there? Uh, Let's see. I feel like there were some 70s. I pulled from IGN's, which was an 8. That was one of the lower ones I saw, which isn't very low, but that was one of the lower ones that I saw. Let's see. Based on 122 critic, all reviews negative. Well, there are no negative reviews. There are no mixed reviews. Okay, hang on. Metascore. Um, I'll just have to scroll. Don't they? Oh, do they? They 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 have them from highest to lowest. No, the lowest I'm seeing is an 80. Yeah, the lowest is an 80. Good golly. That is, uh... That's not bad. If, like, the lowest score you're getting is an 8. I thought I saw some 70s. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. We've been covering a lot of, uh, a lot of games and game reviews lately, so... Roundup. Okay, so let me give you guys a little bit of a recap on the review roundup. We will be going in about 10 minutes to a premiere about Pete Hines retiring. I have my own theory about what's going on, why he used the number 24, uh, and, and what his commentary was whenever the merger first happened. So while I'm doing this roundup and this recap, if you missed the opening monologue, do me a favor. Smash the like button. Let's set our sights on 500 likes. If you guys want to push the members a little bit further, you don't even have to gift a member. You can become a member. You don't have to sit around and wait for a gifted member um, and help us move that goal. So every single time a new member pops up, I I move this. And that makes me give back to you. So right now, I'm going to give you guys 10 members when we get over to the premiere. So do all that while I'm doing this recap. It supports me and it supports the uh, video. Okay, so I did a review roundup and I heavily leaned on Digital Foundry. 
just to really establish all of the significant upticks in performance with respect to graphics, lighting, ray tracing, the world itself, the water, the fast travel, all those things, all those things. I wanted to really lean on that. And then I kind of went buckshot and I looked at IGN. They gave it an eight. Game Informer gave it a nine and a half. GameSpot gave it a four and a half out of five, I think. Let me let me make sure. I, I don't want to misquote anybody here. Uh, generally, everybody gave it, you know, very, very good and fair scores. And so I combed through all of those. And generally speaking, the pros and the cons broke down into the most consistent negatives we heard was that open world activities were a little samey and familiar. Um, and skill up thought the wingsuit sort of took some of the spidiness out of Spidey and that they he forced himself to swing more but that was a personal thing I personally got to the end of Spider-Man 1 and thought man I wish I could go faster I feel like the swinging gets a little bit long in the tooth after about you know the halfway mark of the game now I think maybe to his credit he says that you get it super early and maybe if they would have restricted it to just like specific areas for speed boosts or just going over the water, maybe it should have been more of a midway game upgrade, you know? Because I remember in the first Spider-Man kind of feeling that, like, oh man, this feels a little bit uh, slow, you know, getting around. I'm sorry, GameSpot gave it an 8 out of 10. It was the gamer that gave it a 4.5 out of 5. VGC gave it a 5 out of 5. Essentially, everybody is saying this is the best superhero game out. This is the best of the three of the Spider-Man games. Uh, This is exceptional. Like, it seems to me this is more than just a really good sequel. They created a top-shelf next-gen game. Top-shelf next-gen game. And if... We, we kind of had a bit of a debate about like, well, Insomniac is carrying PlayStation, and so we got into a debate about what is next-gen. For me, this generation, I am satisfied as a consumer. I'm getting what I was promised with next-gen. I don't feel like I had to wait for Spider-Man 2 to show up to get next-gen experiences like I got in Returnal, Ratchet, Forbidden West, God of War. I feel like those were all games that hit next-gen fidelity and performance that I was promised. And this is putting next-gen at a higher level than we've previously seen, maybe only seen in Burning Shores. So if this is sort of the beginning of what we get by leaving behind old gen, I think that's worthy of celebration. What I don't think we do is I don't think we turn around and like indict all games this generation as not being next gen because they're, you know, not doing the things that Spider-Man is doing. I also don't think we want to look at the rhythm with which you know, Insomniac has been able to crank out games and act like that's an indictment of other studios or, well, PlayStation doesn't have no, any games. All they have is Spider-Man. I don't think that's true. I think we're right now we're sort of in a holding pattern. I do anticipate being told by PlayStation, you know, what's coming either next year or at least the first half of next year, either in a showcase or some kind of state of play. I think you're going to just start seeing shorter marketing windows. I really do. What I found hilarious was when the roadmap discussion happened the other day and I said, we already kind of have a tentative roadmap for Nintendo. We know two games coming first quarter. We know two games coming first quarter for PlayStation. We don't really have a roadmap from Xbox. What was hilarious was I saw people trying to roast me by saying, what about the leaks? We have a roadmap from the leaks. No, we don't. Those were not announcements. Those were not roadmaps. Those were leaks. And we don't have hard dates. We don't have release windows. We have no idea when and what's coming out next year. So 
that doesn't mean that that's a problem or that's concerning. I was simply pushing back on the notion that why are we holding PlayStation to a standard that we're not holding the other platforms to? I, I think not just PlayStation, not just Nintendo. I think all platforms are going to start marketing in smaller windows. Xbox did the whole, here's the games you're getting in the next 12 months. They didn't do that this year. They just showed you a bunch of stuff with no dates, okay? With no with no launch windows. And I think that that is fine. If Nintendo does that, if PlayStation does that, I think that that is fine. As long as the release windows... And the, I'm sorry, and the marketing is within sort of the release window of 6 to 18 months. Generally, that's what I think you're going to start seeing. I think more and more you're going to see companies say, here's what's coming in the next 6 to 12 months. You know, Here's what's coming in the next 6 to 18 months. Because I think they want to have hard dates and release windows. Because 2020 and 2021 and even 2022, it really hurt a lot of consumer confidence because there were so many delays and there were so many pushbacks. I think companies now are like, listen, we don't need to do that. We don't need to show you a game seven years before it comes out. We don't need to show you a game, you know, uh, five but before we even have a release window. That's that's not a good idea. That's not conducive to development. It's led to a lot of problems. It's led to frustration. It's led to delays. It's led to the final product being completely and utterly divorced from what you first showcased. So, I don't think any of this is unique to PlayStation or Nintendo or Xbox. I think everybody within the gaming realm is shifting to shorter marketing windows. I think Armored Core proved that you do not need to be talking about games super far in advance. So the sort of incessant cries of, well, PlayStation has no games and PlayStation's in a bad spot and everybody should be worried. I'm like, I don't think so at all. I don't think they're going to start marketing games and telling me what's coming two years in a row, three years, I'm sorry, two years out or three years out. I think I'm going to learn about games within the 12 month period of their launch. I, I do. I think that's coming. And I don't think that's going to be something unique to one platform. I think they're all going to move to that direction. Because I think it burned Xbox when they said, here are the games coming out for the next 12 months. It burned them. I don't think it helped PlayStation because they had to delay their games. And everyone was like, what's going on? These were supposed to be launch titles. That was bad for PR. And Nintendo's going to Nintendo. They kind of do whatever they want. But even Nintendo kind of doesn't say anything and all of a sudden they drop a direct and they're like hey look we're doing Mario RPG and Mario Wonder and Mario Donkey Kong and it's like and, and we're doing a Peach game it's like wh- where did all this come from we didn't hear about it and, and on suddenly they drop a direct and then they have launch releases I think that's what's coming I think that's what's coming is more and more like surprise like we've got these games shorter windows And people are going to say, oh, you're coping, you're coping. I actually prefer this. If you want to call it coping, that's fine. I I don't think it's coping. I think this is preferable. I I, I prefer Xbox to do that. I don't want Xbox walking out and saying, hey, here's what's coming in the next 12 months. If they can't do it, what that doesn't do it what's that do for me all it does is irritate me and make me feel like disappointment. And then it makes me doubt all future announcements. It didn't do anything for me when they did that in 2022. Here's a roadmap. What's coming the next 12 months? I don't want PlayStation doing it. I don't want Nintendo doing it. I like the shorter release marketing windows. I think it's more exciting. I think it's better. I think it's better for us. It's probably better for the developers. We're probably going to get better quality games. I think we're going to get better quality games. 
I think, yeah, I think it leaves room for shadow drops, Raymond. I think it leaves room for shadow drops. It's like, yeah, for sure. Hey, we got a game. Here it is. Like they did with Hi-Fi Rush. I thought that was a big win this year for Xbox. And I think when you're not doing super long tail marketing, well, you can shadow drop something. And I actually think that's a unique advantage that Xbox has with Game Pass. They cannot just shadow drop it. It's day and date on Game Pass. Making people feel like, oh man, I'm not on Game Pass right now. So like, I actually think they can leverage the shadow drop more effectively than anybody. Because shadow dropping when you need sales is a completely different environment. It can be more risky. It can. So... That's that's I think that's an advantage that Xbox can leverage. Oh well, especially now that they own ABK, I think they'll they'll be able to do even more of that. Hey, surprise! We just remade this gamer. Hey, surprise! We just added all these old you know Call of Duties. I think they're going to be able to do that, and I don't. PlayStation can't do that, so PlayStation has to handle things a little bit differently. All right, let's go over to this premiere. Do me a favor, smash like on the video that you're in right now. We only need 40 more likes for 500 likes. We're going to go over to this premiere. I think Pete Hines leaving is a sign of trouble and I, I go all the way back to the original announcement of the merger and what he said I'd never seen this before I think you guys are going to find it interesting let's head over I'm going to give members when I get over there there's a link in chat ride the link or ride the redirect make sure and smash like here before we leave and smash like when we get over there <laughs> 